basically when i was um 19 i was i had decided that i'm going to um have a career in social impact or environmental sustainability and i think that was something that i had established i knew i wanted to work in the impact space again so i was looking for jobs um in the renewable energy space because i thought that's one way to really create um some sort of impact because if you think about it without electricity kids can't finish their homework um medicines can't be refrigerated operations can't take place um machinery can't work and in that those situations economies can't improve we have the pos- like the ability to be part of this solution in some small way and our actions actually do matter hey everyone and welcome back to show that was sam mansoor who's the founder of bare necessities She's an entrepreneur in the zero waste space as well as the sustainability realm. So in this episode we talk about a whole lot of things and I can't wait for you guys to experience it. We talk about the importance of scheduling and uh, underlying processes with whatever it is that you do. The kind of discipline that's needed to finish writing a book. Uh we talk about learning disabilities as well and of course we talk about sustainability and zero waste space and how you can really build a business in a space such as this. Cool then let's get right into the episode. This is episode 29 with Sahel Mansoor. Thank you, me. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And the the fact of the matter is, I I I knew you, uh, or rather, when I started doing some research, I knew you as an entrepreneur. Right. Right. But uh, it's only, and I've heard of bare necessities before. Okay. That's yeah. Good <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But having said that, I haven't. Uh, I didn't know what what you guys did. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and it's when I started diving deep into your journey and just the brand itself is and is when I understood. Okay, it's entirely in the sustainable realm. Yeah. which is great and it's i think a topic that everyone needs to you know think about including the ex president of the world yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah uh, this is great i think we we'll we have so many things we can talk about yeah. and we'll dive deep into Sounds but good. i want to start off with what we just spoke about which is oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> i see a very uh, interesting way you schedule your life and i think every <laughs> every single uh, conversation we have had has either ended with me stating because i also kind of follow that to a certain degree yeah. where it's ended with um, okay so let's block out calendar space for this or let's yeah. have a schedule for this i see that you you kind of follow that with uh, you know to the t yeah is that true <laughs> yes it is yeah. if you look at my google calendar it's like color coded uh, with like lavender more of like my own time uh, with blue being all work meetings and then green being like football uh, oh. so it's like super color coded everything scheduled um it's uh, yeah it, i i like being organized and uh, <laughs> really appreciate it um, to like have it all on my calendar ahead of time. Right. And I think I'm organized, but my team thinks I'm very disorganized because I'm always running like five minutes late. But that's only because I'm like trying to wrap up some one other thing. Um. But yeah, I'm trying to work on being more punctual as well on my meetings. Right. But do you do you find it to be a challenge where not a lot of people, especially when you start becoming, uh, I mean, getting your hands dirty as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And getting into business itself. Yeah. You realize that not everyone, or probably no one here for that matter, operates the same way. 
Yeah. Where they could be punctual, they could follow, you know, have a discipline when it comes to time. Yeah. But when it comes to maybe uh, allocating space or time virtually, it's not something that everyone does. Yeah. Right. So do you see a lot of challenges there? Um, definitely. I think in India, just there's a little bit more like informality of like um, um, WhatsApp and like, you know, I'll just call you whenever. Uh, but unfortunately, when you're like trying to do 900 things and trying to build a small business and, uh, you know, potentially write a book and come up with new products and like, just be a normal human being that has good relationships with your, you know, I don't know, yeah. sisters and uh, friends and things like that. Um, I think it, people often underestimate how much work goes into it or, um, yeah, so I'm not very good with like, I'll give you a call whenever because yeah. I'm like, no, chances are like 90% that I already have a call scheduled. Right. Um, so, and I think maybe this, I learned me a little bit more when I was studying in America or the UK, which was more formal, like putting in your diary, putting, like planning it ahead of time. Um, so maybe it comes from there. I don't know. Um, or maybe it's because I have like all these learning disabilities. And as a child growing up, I was very organized in terms of like trying to figure out my time to do this and like color coding with the way for me to like learn and stuff like that. So um, maybe that's why. I don't know. But uh, that's just something that's really stuck with me in terms of like keeping blocks of time to do things. Because also it just disrupts the flow of your work if you're trying to like... Yeah. Um, I don't know, um, do some research or write something and you can't get like two lines in without someone calling you, then it's going to kind of disrupt your flow. Right. So um, I, <laughs> I don't know if it's like such a uh, big thing, but uh, I know when you, you know, wanted to get on a, a call, I, I sent you a link to schedule yeah. uh, a time that works for you. And I you. appreciate that because, <laughs> I mean, it's either, uh, like you said, right, the, the chances are if you keep it open-ended, it won't happen. Yeah. Right. And uh, it's better to allocate and, you know, really block some time out. And it kind of sets the precedent and the expectation level at the right bare minimum level. <laughs> right. I mean, I, it makes sense. And I think that that's basically, I think, how we got around to, you know. Yeah. Finally being here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's funny that you live or stay and work <laughs> and everything down the street. Yes, I do. Infantry <laughs> Road is my life. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I think uh, having a schedule is important. And my next question is actually going to be around... Um, is this because of you, your exposure to the West while you were studying or, you know, thing and you kind of answered that as well. But you yeah. said you also had a few disabilities when you were younger and you had to be a little organized or, you know, kind of, uh, you know, get get things to get things in order. Yeah. So did you see that prior to this and did this just reinforce it or did it entirely start when you went there? No, I think it reinforced it. So like, for example, um, I had lots of learning disabilities growing up, like reading was a challenge. I, th I remember like in school, um, when you have like a comprehension test or whatever in third grade and stuff, they'd be like, okay, cool, pencils down. And I would have just finished reading the paragraph. I haven't even <laughs> started answering the first question. So been there, um, been there. super yeah. slow, uh, reading was like a huge challenge. Um, so my mom also like started working full time. So basically she would take like little cassettes and read the like school chapters for me whether it was my Hindi or English or whatever chapters and put it on the tapes and leave it so when I would come back from school I could start reading along with it you're like way ahead of all of us you no. know like with audiobooks <laughs> and whatnot this is ridiculous it was, it was just a very like you know uh, bootlegged version of uh, just trying to survive and figure it out so yeah I mean um, and then I I think just having that schedule of doing that this at this time and then maybe when my mom was cooking she would try and teach me more like math and stuff like tables and things like that she'd be like okay we're making two times two is what I have two apples and then two apples how, how much does that give me so um, you know making it fun and playful uh, but maybe my like schedule post school was just revolved around um, like 
homework and mom and and my siblings so i think maybe that's how i kind of got into this like um routine of being on a, on a <laughs> pretty like organized <laughs> schedule and i think that's uh, stayed and in college i had three jobs on campus so yeah. uh, i had to be super organized and like have like time blocked out for everything that i wanted to like do um so yeah i think that's kind of how it just stuck Right. I'm sure you saw a lot of people there do this, right? I yeah, like when you actually enter a uh, college your first day, they give you a planner. So right. it's um of course now it's more virtual planners, but at that time it was like super nice. Oh yeah, they give you an they, actual planner. They give you planner. an actual planner with all the dates of college already put, all the holidays already put, and then you you know um so that kind of is another way to kind of inculcate that. So yeah, scheduling. <laughs> <laughs> Has no one ever spoken to you about no, this? No, never have I spoken serious? about scheduling. Uh, definitely on a, not on a podcast. Um, First time so. on against the odds, uh, just so you know. Yeah, <laughs> but this is great. And um, uh, I, I like I said, I reached out to you to just talk about uh, maybe some of the challenges and uh, the notions that people have when it comes to uh, just starting up yeah. in Bangalore itself. And and you guys are doing something entirely in the non-virtual space mm-hmm. and entirely in a space that's pretty much you know dependent on whether this world's going to survive or not which is great uh but having said that uh, it's it's a risk right sure. it's for like yeah. i mean it's it's funny right it's such a dichotomy because it's like i said it the sole existence of the entire world depends on sustainability yeah but it's also so difficult to get started and no one is really bothered because they think their changes and you know things that they can contribute are so you know minor or small yeah. Right. Where did all of this start? Where did your love for sustainability and you know your love for your passion for uh, you know reuse reusing the right kind of items and just coming up? Where did all these ideas you know kind of spawn from? Yeah, um, like any other good Bangalorean, it started in Cabin Park. Really, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, like uh, growing up, I've spent all, literally almost all of my weekends growing up in Cabin Park. So I think um, I've always had like a huge nature's always had a huge part in my life. um so i think i've been a little environmental since i was like i don't know a 3 year old um but uh, only started identifying myself as one maybe when um i went to college mm-hmm. and um you know i was I, i was studying like various things uh and then i started to i took one environmental course which was very hippy world religions and ecology at what point in um, life was it was like when i was 19 okay so very california hippy school <laughs> um so we studied like looked at buddhist scriptures um you know really drawing from christianity from hinduism from islam and seeing what are kind of the um commonalities and what kind of the emphasis where nature is kind of uh, mentioned and things like that and a part of that course is that you had also had to volunteer in nature so i spent time in uh, the La- los angeles forest uh, oh, okay. planting trees essentially the ones that could be could have been potentially part of the wildfires oh uh, this is in a different part but yeah okay. uh, but yeah. um <clears throat> definitely so that there was a huge forest fire in um 2000 and um 6 or 3 okay. at the time and so when i was there in about uh, 2010 i was you know helping with this uh, reforestation program and um with this organization called tree people so yeah that was one element of it but basically this class just like i think really stimulated my mind body and heart um and soul in a way that like it's very hard to articulate but um one video that i watched a part of this course with was this lady uh, named Bea Johnson and she is um this french woman who now lives in california and um was leading this zero waste lifestyle and i remember just watching this video and being so blown away this by this video it. in college yeah 
okay. part of the same course oh, okay. um and uh, you know i was thinking that's amazing but i probably could never do that like i have a job to maintain like three jobs on campus to maintain a scholarship to maintain um i probably don't have the d- enough time to you know do all the things she's doing to organize my life like that um and i probably can't afford to shop where she shops in bulk and stuff like that um whole foods and what not exactly you, yeah. exactly as as like a poor college student definitely not so um but i was definitely very inspired so i was doing little things like carrying my own water bottle or you know my cloth bags to the grocery store um but that also led me to just have a very honest chat uh, similar to this with my dean and i just said um you know dean saleza you don't have the major i want and he's like What do you mean? <laughs> oh, what do you sign up for though? Um so I was a political science major and I was on this pre-law track. I thought I'd be a lawyer. What are you saying? Yeah, far <laughs> from it. <laughs> just like um, all of us like yeah, we just we exactly. were we were talking about that. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think that was it and um he thought I was pretty crazy but we literally highlighted every course that was offered in my university that had anything to do with the, the environment so like surfing science environmental economics um um anything from the science department to the you know a political science department looking at environmental policy to environmental yeah everything uh, in between um so yeah we had the like honestly was super super lucky to have these amazing mentors to be so flexible and say yeah go ahead and do that um So yeah, I think that was one uh, big kind of moment. You know, always people think when you tell stories of entrepreneurs or something this is like one moment and then like voila, it's kind of like a very movie like. And it's never like that. Actually, they're like small things that are kind of built on each other that kind of lead you to something. Um fast forward a few years, my sister had a baby in 2014. and uh i was there with her which was super fun to like for the 6 months but i was getting overwhelmed by the amount of like diaper waste that we were producing like right. at an unprecedented rate and i was like oh my god and this is like never going to decompose going to take 700 years to even start disintegrating it's never going to fully do um so that was another like moment and then i came back home to bangalore and um i took like this soap making course i started like asking my grandmother what she used to do before shampoo started coming in a plastic bottle um and then just really got experimental with indian ingredients um and i think i was stoked to be back so i wanted to like celebrate like turmeric and anato and all these amazing indian ingredients that we don't get elsewhere that we know have these amazing like uh whether it's i don't know herbal properties or you know neem is like literally like the poster child of the farmer farmer industry so it's just like really getting excited and using all sorts of ingredients and um trying to see how i can go more low impact in my life um so yeah those that's like little things built on each other that led me to start thinking about leading a more zero waste or low impact lifestyle right and at what point did you decide that you had to really get into it and make a company or brand out of this whole thing. Yeah. Um honestly it was never planned. I'm totally an accidental entrepreneur. Um It's like I, most people if you think about it, right? Totally, totally. <laughs> um but you know, I liked the safe step, like I liked the security of like doing this and doing that and like I loved like structure and planned things. So I didn't think that I would do something so unplanned and like um but I was working at the solar energy company at the time um when I moved back home to Bangalore. Oh, okay, you were already in uh renewable and yeah. uh sustainable sources for the mm-hmm. matter okay that's crazy so i think maybe basically when i was um 19 i was i had decided that i'm going to um have a career in social impact or environmental sustainability and i think that was something that i had established and moving back to india i knew i wanted to work in the impact space again so i was looking for jobs 
um, in the renewable energy space because I thought that's one way to really create um, some sort of impact because if you think about it, without electricity, there's no interview. Yeah. <laughs> there's no... I mean, we just had, you know, <laughs> exactly. this big challenge, right? Exactly. Yeah, we'll probably put that in the bloopers <laughs> or the bonus clips, but yeah. Um, so yeah, exactly. No electricity. There's, you know, kids can't finish their homework. Um, medicines can't be refrigerated. Operations can't take place. Um, machinery can't work. And in that, those situations, economies can't improve. Um, so I thought that was like a big way to really kind of create some sort of impact. Um, and then waste. These were t two things that I was like really obsessed um, about and like wanted to learn more about. Um, so I was very lucky to be at Selco. It was an environment that was very, very willing to teach me. Um, you know, all my knowledge is extremely academic and bookish, mm. um, almost elitist. Uh, and for the first, yeah, honestly. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, because you, you think of it from a very like, I want to become an environmental professor, right? So I, thought, I was looking at it from a very, like, this should be done. It was very black and white. But only when you work in the field, when you're, you know... Literally uh, get your hands dirty. Exactly, literally. Yeah. So for almost two and a half years, it was just me, a bunch of my kurtas, backpack, and on literally any overnight bus ride okay. journey to, like, literally any part of Karnataka. Um, so largely working with communities that have um, energy access issues. Um, but one really interesting thing was that there was a waste picker community by the Hebal airport okay. and everyone in my office knew how I was really like passionate about waste and I was leading this lifestyle. So like every day after lunch when we would have like Naril Pani or Tana Coconut Water with my friends or like colleagues right after work, I'd like say no straw and just kind of waterfall it and drop it all over my clothes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I think, um, you know, so they were like, oh, Sarah, you might want to like get involved here. And I did. Um, and it, I basically followed the waste pickers around um, Bangalore City. So on my cycle at like 5 a.m. between 5 to 9 so I could like shower and make it a work at 10. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and this is when you were with Selco. Yeah, this is all when I was with Selco. And uh, essentially, of course, like got to humanize the waste problem. That was, again, very academic in my mind. Um, and yeah, I just got to put like humans and faces to uh, this huge waste problem. And I started to understand that it's not just an environmental issue. It's not just a health issue, but it's honestly quite a social justice issue because um, you know, this man, Rahman, he's telling me that like for the first time I can see my daughter's face at night um, because of the solar lantern and stuff like that. So I've become friends with them. At the same time, I'm seeing him like segregate and waste with, waste his, bare with his bare hands. But like picking up sanitary napkins, you know, friends who lost thumbs because of broken glass being there in the middle of things where he can't see it. Um, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. And honestly, if you look at waste, even from not such a, um, you know, from that perspective, even just from a, from another perspective, like lots of developed countries just ship all of mm. their waste to developing countries, whether mm. that's Malaysia, India, China. And of course, in the recent past, we've seen countries say no. But what is it saying? It's just saying that someone else's life or is less valuable than That's others. That's truly right? elitist. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And also, even in India, once the waste is here, like, where does it go? It's disproportionately in low-income communities. In America, you will notice that all the incinerators are in, like, poor Latino neighborhoods or poor African-American communities. So it's just, um, our waste problem is, like, really kind of intertwined um, with social issues and, like, how we kind of Society approach it. Society itself, Yeah, right? so I think it's, like, not just an environmental problem, it's also a social justice issue. So um, for me, like leading a zero waste lifestyle was just a very tangible way in which I could 
um potentially not be part of this problem mm. um and try and be part of the solution my own way and so i was doing it for very personal reasons yeah. didn't think about setting up an enterprise um and then slowly i was doing like talks and workshops every weekend um how do you get there though how did these talks and workshops start if you haven't really yeah. you know gotten your hands dirty with maybe like a brand or an enterprise as such yeah so actually my first one was at my office at selco okay and i just did a little like talk around sustain like waste problem kind of similar to what i was just sharing like perspective wise and then we all made a product together and i said okay. like, you know instead of buying you can just make this um and then that led uh, my supervisor like immediate boss at the time to introduce me to someone who was organizing kishmandi like the flea markets that used yeah. to happen um in bangalore and um, she said okay why don't you come and like just do the same thing that like, what you did at office so i did that and then um the next month she called me back so then i added a new product so we would just kind mm. of keep adding one new product every month and uh, yeah 10 months down the line i had like 10 different products that i had experimented and done a workshop and talk uh, from mm. so yeah that was very incremental and then st- slowly store started approaching us and saying like or me <laughs> yeah. um if we can do bulk orders um and that's when i was like doing the orders on weekends and like uh is all you doing at home yeah exactly right. so it was me for a long time um and then slowly i started to grow the team right that's that's crazy because like you said i think it's only when you realize that you are actually part of the problem and get yourself involved is when you actually understand okay the problem's far deeper far you know crazier than you ever you know thought it to be yeah definitely and uh, i think we th- i i like how you called it elitist because that there is no other way to you know describe it, yeah. this right <laughs> because it's it's great that you say i care about the environment and you know you don't end up uh you know doing anything about it first hand or even passively or doing something against it yeah. which is not such a you know uh, the i don't know the ideal situation to be in um yeah no, now tell me this uh, you found this job at selco but did you have a lot of other companies um, at that point which you could apply to because as far as i know today even that sustainable trend it's it's quite meek right it's not not to uh, you know i have a lot of friends who are looking for jobs mm-hmm. but it's at the end of the day it comes down to passion versus maybe monetary and you yeah, know money totally, side of things totally. right but did the job pay well and did you have a lot of jobs at that point and yeah. even you can even maybe talk about the just the environment right now environment i mean the job environment yeah yeah sure yeah. for sure um i think uh, what's been really encouraging is actually a mushrooming of like amazing enterprises doing great stuff around sustainability and kind of in the realm of environmental job creation um i think when i was started in 2015 there were few good organizations doing good work but they were like legacy companies like selco been around for 25 years doing amazing stuff um of course when i would kind of describe it to my uh, friends back at cambridge they would just be like oh my god are you serious like why are you getting paid so little like move back like um i'll get you this interview in london or whatever and i was like guys i'm not doing it for the money like i genuinely just love what i'm doing here um so i think uh, the development sector or the environmental sector um especially in the beginning um definitely is losing out on talent because of like not being able to offer like those um you know good salaries and it's nothing to it's not it's not like a bad thing or um um it's just that um I mean like in our generation we yeah. can't we, we it's not like we're blaming someone that we're not taking that that job because it's creating impact because at the end of the day like we have like loans to pay 
education loans pay we have commitments and stuff like that so i understand both perspectives but for me i think i was just like um i have the luxury of staying at home with my mom since i moved back to india um and i want to kind of learn more so for me i i was happy to do it uh, and to be honest i like traveled to the most beautiful parts of um india like li- living here 17 years and i hadn't seen through just yeah. those two and a half years of working in selco like gorgeous villages just learned so much about beautiful like hand spun textiles and like i think it just brought like a whole like level of intimacy with um even like a sense of identity to like okay. my roots and stuff so i i i like for me i think it was um it stimulated my mind it like really like fed my body soul and everything so i like really loved my time at selco um it is quite exhausting it was a six day a week job and i was like mm. looking at all my friends at corporate jobs having like fun weekends and getting paid like way more um so but but i was happy to be honest um i think uh, to your point about like how is it now i think definitely there is more like mushrooming of more enterprises doing cool stuff and i think um you know the startup ecosystem is also attracting good amount of like funds and investors so i think that trend of like all oh, the environmental sector doesn't pay well is kind of changing as well mm, mm. the whole talks uh, you know the talks around you know pursuing something uh, pursuing a meaningful life and you know a life of passion is something that's booming now right yeah. it's something that's i think it's always been there to a certain degree but it's been in a super niche yeah. thing earlier yeah. and now people are just getting you know fed up of you know sitting at a desk job or just you know getting having to go through the same thing that their neighbors going through yeah right and i think it's right now with there, there can't be better you know a, a category that's fulfilling or more you know if you already are passionate about the environment because what's not to like mm-hmm. right exactly <laughs> yeah and yeah. It, i don't know i mean right now i know a lot of people who have quit their jobs and without even having jobs in the sustainability realm mm. but they're looking for jobs but like you said it's it comes down to that balance between uh you know you getting paid as opposed to you know maybe you wanting to do something with your life or you wanting yeah. to do something just in that you know yeah. that area itself uh and did you see a lot of people back when you had come back from the states or from the uk did you see a lot of people at that point looking for jobs in the environmental space yeah. um i think it's definitely becoming more common now yeah um i think uh i don't know if it's like anything to attribute with the pandemic and just people um kind of rekindling an intimacy with nature and things like that or um just with just awareness on climate change and climate action what's going on uh but i think more people now are looking for careers in sustainability for sure Same. more than ever um so i think that's a great trend i mean we need lots of us to like help solve uh you know problems that our generation and the generations behind us are going to face uh because all these problems are super interdisciplinary and it's not going to be solved just by like one type of person and so it really needs like the engineers the lawyers everyone to kind of come together like reimagine redesign um a more sustainable and more just world so i'm excited to see that everyone's yeah more and more excited about sustainability yeah and see I, i'm sure there's uh you know the other side of the coin where or you know the other set of people who are just like this can't be solved yeah i mean we're way too yeah. you know deep into this whole weird rabbit hole situation we can't just you know there's no way we can get out of this so why even try which yeah. is such a sad yeah. you know state <laughs> to be in right exactly i think uh you and i both have this perspective of like look at the world and with a you know half full kind of perspective um and i think 
that that's what makes life quite a full and fun right so um to have that little optimistic spin about it um so yeah hopefully um you know that optimism is contagious and more and more people think that their actions matter and yeah. like do whatever small step it is whether it's like giving like 5% of your paycheck to a cause that you love it doesn't have to be environmental sustainability it could be education for girls it could be like really anything that you care about could be um, just giving back yeah just giving back in any shape where that you can and if you can't with your pay- paycheck that's totally fine give it with your time if you can volunteer somewhere do something um and i think it's pandemic sort of one thing is that we all can need a more like we all need a more emp- uh, empathetic and just world so. yeah and i think the pandemic taught us taught us a lot of things <laughs> yeah exactly right? i think we were talking about that as well which is Okay, so our businesses have taken a hit. A lot yeah. of things people have struggled, but yeah. I think the takeaways are, you know, it's like it's a literally an in-your-face situation where you just have to deal with it. Yeah. One and two is this is possible too. Yeah, true. Right, and <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I completely uh, concur. And I think the um, the reason why I brought up this whole problem being a problem that we can't solve, uh, the situation being a problem that we can't solve, uh, rather. Uh, is so true because with just like with any other process right it doesn't end or there's no goal with anything that you plan to do in life right yeah. it it's a even with a habit for that matter it's something that you have to continuously just keep you know add it yeah i mean you can let's take the simplest thing and i'm sure most people are worried about which is staying fit mm-hmm. and you know you can't just stop it after you're done you know maybe 3 months of you know yeah. like a rigorous routine and you're like yeah i'm done now yeah. i'm like set for life <laughs> yeah. no but that's it's part of your routine it's your lifestyle yeah. yeah it's a lifestyle exactly and i think that's what we are trying to do here too right with the environment as well for sure it doesn't end with you know uh, we it's not like okay when can we solve all these problems yeah. tell me the year <laughs> <laughs> doesn't work like that exactly yeah. it's totally a lifestyle so whether that's like small steps of incorporating like carrying your own water bottle and like carrying your own bag to the grocery store like small simple actions but making it part of your routine and your everyday um because like you said it is totally a lifestyle yeah and i think um, the idea here is to um balance with balance out things between uh you taking away from the environment as opposed to you giving back yeah. and giving back is you passively not doing anything to harm it as well yeah Right, so I think it comes down to balancing that bit out, and yeah, I, I, there are a lot of people who just choose to. Uh, why, why do I need to talk about this? Because you know, again, that whole elitist mentality. Because I feel there's no denying that there's a very uh, underlying uh, factor of being. Uh, what do you call it? We, we Indians think we are privileged, and we are you know born uh, like for instance. Let's take a a scene on the road, right? Yeah. You you have like a. road rash and people just losing it on the streets yeah. and just for nothing and it's 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 my you know it's my right of way and mm. you know you've seen how people interact which is just such a weird situation i think that comes down that kind of trickles down to these things too where people start using something like a public space or a, maybe a, you've seen how our railways are you know yeah. treated right and I don't entirely blame the industry itself because it's it's very difficult to keep up with you know yeah. people who are just you know it's not even bothered right it's a it's a bit of a challenge isn't it absolutely it's like the tragedy of commons right like yeah, we exactly. think that someone That's else will take care of it and especially with environmental issues we're like oh the government will do it or the businesses will do, you know so we always just kind of change um like responsibility or like but we don't realize that actually we have the part we shelve it yeah exactly and <laughs> like we have the poss- like the ability to be part of this solution in some small way and our actions actually do matter so right. yeah for sure 
I think we should uh, definitely talk about uh, the, uh, you know, you said giving back to even other causes or communities or yeah. and all of that as well. And you spoke about, I think there's been a very underlying uh, factor of women empowerment when it comes to bare necessities as well. Yeah. Uh, could you maybe talk a little bit more about where that, you know, of course, there's again, this is another topic altogether. Sure. But it's basically two birds, one stone. With <laughs> yeah, you. definitely. So, uh, yeah, how did, where did all of that start? Yeah, sounds good. Um, so, I went to an all-girls high school. I went to Sapphire's. So, um, I think... Isn't it Sophia? <laughs> I've had this argument with my wife as well. No, this... <laughs> Are these banger and jokes? <laughs> Never yeah. get over. Um, yeah. yeah, so, you know, I think I was like surrounded by amazing, strong women, um, whether it was my school environment or at home, which I have two older sisters and um, a badass mom and a girl cat, Gotia. Um, okay. <laughs> Thanks, I like how you brought the cat in as yeah. well. That's awesome. <laughs> so I think just being surrounded by super strong, amazing women uh, my entire life was something that um, has been... I guess, instrumental or has really molded my thought process. Um, and when I started Bare Necessities, I knew I wanted to create uh, an enterprise that created employment opportunities for women, um, especially women belonging to a certain demographic. Like you only see them in like domestic house kind mm -hmm. of jobs. And I wanted to change that. I wanted to like provide more employment opportunities that were fun, that were creative, that, you know, um, like basically uh, kind of bought all of these things that we love enjoying because I think um, a lot of time women are creators. They like making things. So I was wondering if there was a way to kind of bring in all of those values into an enterprise. Um, and that's why I, I, initially my thought was actually that we'd be a completely woman-run team. I want to um, ask you that. Is that the case now? Yeah, I, I, it's not now yeah, the case. Yeah, it's not the yeah. case. But that was my initial thought. Yeah. And that's why my first few hires were all women as well. And, um, you know, slowly as we grew as like, um, you know, negotiating and working with suppliers for supply chain and like raw materials and bottles and stuff like that. Um, that was like a skill that I didn't have. So I, I was looking out for people and the best person was, uh, you know, my operations manager, Prakash. So, um, and so in that sense, I didn't kind of, and that's kind of how the team has kind of grown very incrementally. Mm. Um, and it's like a process of evolution. I think like as my thought process has evolved, I think even bare necessities and enterprise has um, evolved. So um, yeah, that's a little bit about uh, me, but like, you know, just, I also lost my dad when I was really little. So um, just kind of watching my mom and sisters do everything and like um, being really just strong and driven um, and like gung-ho about chasing their goals and things like that was something that um, really something that really inspired me and uh, I hope to create some small change in terms of creating some employment opportunities for women and I think that's kind of how it all began. Awesome uh, so where do you see I mean do you, do you have some sort of a vision when it comes to that with your with bare necessities I mean like you said, it's all incremental. Yeah. Right. So for the most bit, has it been you just, you know, kind of, you know, rolling with the punches and kind of keeping up? Uh, or do you also have a certain vision with your brand itself? And it could be from the sustainability side, from women yeah. empowerment or any Oh, yeah, that. definitely. We have uh, lots of ideas, lots of goals, lots of, we have a vision deck. <laughs> <laughs> did, um, did COVID uh, shelve some of those? Or definitely, kind of delayed a lot. Uh, but also it provided us an opportunity to innovate and do things that were relevant at the time. So, you yeah. know, coming up with online courses because people were create, were like really consuming online content uh, was a byproduct of COVID, for example. Where do, so, you, where do you showcase that though? Um, so we have an online portal so you can register 
for our online course and it's like a four week program but it's completely self based so you did um, direct to consumers yeah exactly wow that's awesome yeah. <laughs> so we've two courses one is like zero waste in 30 it's like how do i start whether it's like closet my personal care and then the other one is sustainability in 30 so as you said like lots of people are looking to transition their careers into sustainability but haven't really formally studied it so this is kind of like a good course that gives you um all of the building blocks of sustainability whether that's renewable energy like what's going on in waste management what sustainability communications kind of that baseline which maybe will hopefully propel you to like um advance in a career in sustainability so i think um online books also that we came up with um like a ebook and stuff for kids and then a physical book those are all kind of byproducts of the pandemic even like we came up with a kids board game because a lot of people were at home spending mm. time with their family so why not make sustainability education fun and accessible um and that's kind of why we came up with those products do you we, see a lot of traction there I'm sorry to cut you no, off no, no. but do you um, see a lot of traction there Did, was it easy for you to um kind of add these tertiary lines as well to your business and uh, was it a bit of a challenge to market something like that again i'm speaking solely from an entrepreneurial yeah, standpoint yeah. but yeah yeah um i think people do look at us uh, to an extent as also a knowledge hub or like information hub around sustainability um and the same people who are buying you know the baby safe detergent or the you know chemical free soap were also kind of buying the courses and the you know games for their kids and stuff like that so in terms of like marketing and stuff it was kind of the same as what okay. we were currently doing but yeah of course we had to put ourselves out there more um to kind of advertise our new offerings because people just assume that we're a personal care brand or a home right. care brand yeah. and this was kind of um a bit of a transition so um i mean it's it's always hard kind of balancing multiple <laughs> SKUs and stuff like that but i think um it, i think it was an option d that we um you know the time presented itself with this opportunity and we kind of ride that tide to see how it goes for us so it's right. still an experiment in the making so we'll see how are you uh, still seeing something on those fronts are yeah. you still seeing inquiries and um, yeah so it's kind of like on it's rolling so people yeah. can enroll in the course whenever yeah um so definitely we have like thousand plus students and stuff so it's, it's is it a live course um it's not it's pre-recorded um okay. and then okay, there's like a it. community element element so people are like chatting with each other uh but we supplement that with like live webinars and stuff like that so yeah. there are some touch points with um the humans behind the course as well yeah i think uh, these kind of online skus right these uh, digital platforms yeah. if you will i think go a long way and if you kind of bridge that gap i mean it's funny because you guys are doing nothing in the online space yeah. but then you were able to and i think covid kind of got you to spur yeah, yeah spur <laughs> you guys to do that which is awesome uh and also another quick question i had was did you guys how did you guys go about with these new skus or new products did you have them pre made or is it on demand did you start creating these as orders came in or how did you go about it i'm, I'm assuming you guys already have like an a chain um, you know supply chain in place yeah. but how did you go about these new products um yeah so we had one course and then in the pandemic we came up with a new course yeah. um and um i mean it's a little bit of both so i think there was a little bit of like demand in terms of we were seeing that people were looking to consume more content around sustainability um in a way that was accessible and also a way that could certify them and stuff like that. So, um I guess we saw that trend and then we kind of came up developing it. And even the online course um uh, and sorry the kids game, we have this amazing team to be honest, like love them. Everyone really pitched in and did lots of stuff. So, um in fact the kids game I did had a very backseat role and it was really uh, my colleague uh, Krutikarni who like led it. Mm-hmm. Um and then the online course was more of a teamwork. So, um 
I'm super lucky to have like amazing people who are excited about sustainability, who are um, excited about Bear's big vision, like we talked about, um, and who want to kind of see this mission advance. Um, so, yeah, it's super like. Yeah. My team's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're talking about your vision. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess the the vision is just like, honestly, to make zero waste the norm and not the exception. It mm. doesn't have to be like, oh, there's one off shop or there's one off brand that does this. But how do we just mainstream ideas around sustainability to just make it the default, basically, whether that's how grocery stores are planned and how they give you food to how cities are planned to how we consume, how we live. It's it's kind of a very holistic kind of mission. Um, and uh, yeah, we want to just make sustainability fun and accessible uh, and do that by offering these amazing products, um, mm-hmm. physical or virtual, uh, to help like visualize this. Right. And what about, uh, I mean, see, it's, a, it's an uphill battle. Yeah. And there's no denying that. Sure. Right. So, again, when I think about this, I'm just looking at, and I think just like any devil's advocate, they're just looking at all the, you know, the challenges and everything that, you know, that's, you know, at the same time, there's also obviously a demand Mm -hmm. and there's a need for it as well. What do you have to say about um, institutions and groups that are probably not too, you know, uh, let's say proactive on these fronts? So you see all all these guys you're going up against. I I, I don't want to say going up against, but... You know, a simple brand that starts manufacturing, let's say, a new SQ or a new product. Yeah. That kind of really tips the scale in a very awkward direction, right? So you mean like the mainstream brands are creating sure. plastic alternatives? Yeah. Sure. Um, no, not just not plastic alternatives, just plastic itself, right? Yeah. That kind of, like you might have done, let's say you guys put in a lot of effort and just like you, you have other brands who are doing alternatives and yeah. all of that. You guys are doing all that takes to kind of tip the scales in, in yeah. everyone's favor. But then you see another brand that comes in and just, you know, does all that. The only way I can see it is at an apex level, we have, you know, some sort of a, a law or something in place that kind of, you know, curbs all of this. Yeah. But um, I mean, I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I mean, do you see a lot? Have you had those kind of challenges in the past? Have um, you had those weird talks? Yeah, I guess um, I, I guess I'm just kind of like this more half the glass half full kind of a person. So I think. I'm just seeing a mushrooming of more and more brands that are sustainable. I'm seeing more and more people kind of wanting to transition to this lifestyle or like just living more mindfully, consuming less, things like that. Um, So um, while there are the big brands who are perhaps, you know, have been producing in a certain way, like if you actually look at the uh, FMCG industry like we know it today, it hasn't changed or seen any innovation in the past 30, 40 years. Couple of decades, Um, right? So essentially... And also, actually, the history of plastic is super interesting because it was actually used in the world wars, right? To, like, package things, do things. And then suddenly there were no wars. And then these plastic companies were like, oh, what are we going to do? And that's when they started kind of in bringing it into your food arena and packaging arena and stuff Truly like that. Truly commercial. Yeah, exactly. Because right? there was no other route, right? So they, they wanted to commercialize their business. This was one avenue to do so. In that process, to be honest, it did a lot for women since we talked about that earlier. Like now women didn't have to make everything from scratch because you were also getting X amount of food in packaged Mm. um, ways, right? So it also allowed, honestly, a lot of women to enter the workforce. Um, So I I don't want to like dis everything that it has done, the industry. But I think that now, I mean, fast forward 30, 40 years from then, we now know kind of the detrimental impacts of plastic right it's it's cool it's temperature sensitive it's light it's an amazing material but 
we're like producing it at this unprecedented rate and now given what we know we need to redesign with integrity and design we need to like basically design waste out of the system we need to look at how we can transition this world into a more circular economy kind of world and system rather than what we've been traditionally doing in this traditional fmcg sector that's been extremely linear um so i like it's qu- honestly quite encouraging even like someone like a big traditionally company that you think might be uh, polluting like the colgate has also started their own bamboo toothbrush so you're even seeing the big guys actually transition and see whatever they can do um you know the l'oreal's of the world are doing refill programs and things like that with especially their salons and stuff so right. you are seeing more encouraging trends um overall in this space um than i think discouraging Mm, right yeah that makes sense uh yeah let's let's actually talk a little bit about the learning disability bit i mean what what did you go through and what was what would you have to say to someone who's maybe in the same situation uh because you know society looks at it and that's yeah. primarily i think where all these fears you know spawn or arise from right yeah. uh it could be just interactions with your family members to you know your friends and you see that your peers are not the same way or they don't interact the same way or they don't learn the same way yeah uh, and some of these are not really disabilities if you think about it. that's just how people are yeah. which is it's just been termed as a disability right so what have you seen there and yeah like i said what would you have to say to someone you know maybe who's facing something very similar yeah um for me i'm just dyslexic so like reading is hard i mix up my alphabets i still do yeah. my bys and bys but uh, thank god for spell check you know um so i i yeah i think i was like a very slow reader and like all of that stuff um to be honest like i had a, like a really supportive work, like environment like i told you um about my mom recording things on the tape but also my sister saba would take me to elur library super close to where we are um and then read books to me at night so i could get the hang of it okay. um and you know she'd buy the big print books so then i could like read it slowly and feel like i accomplished something and read the whole book um yeah. so like there were all of these little hacks that like i think um my family really like were like just insanely supportive and they still are to death to t- today uh, super supportive to, de- to death like um so yeah i think i've been really lucky in that regard um i i think the indian education system as such is not very um inclusive of people with learning disabilities um just the idea of getting tested seeing where you are on the spectrum so for example my um on my iq test i did great but on my um kind of reading writing all of those things were much slower pace right so those are all things that um unfortunately like our system isn't really equipped to like work with kids with learning disabilities because we're so kind of in this um churn it out like so many kids are in a class and then like all of them are going to be like doctors and numbers, engineers right at the end yeah, of the day yeah exactly so yeah. um so unfortunately like we're not there yet but i think you're seeing more and more um little communities or like after school programs things like that that are like helping um kids kind of you know work out whatever the disabilities that they might have um and at the end of the day i'll say that um uh i mean there's no problem that can't be solved like i said like spell check is my best friend <laughs> um uh and things like that so uh yeah like a little love from like your immediate environment goes a long way um because to be honest like i've always I felt like the world is my canvas and I can paint it any color I like and I can do whatever I want and that's just how my mom raised us like right. um so I think that's been kind of uh, quite important because uh, yeah so yeah. those ideas that you seed in <laughs> um are really important so 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's 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 crazy that you're now you've just you're going to be publishing your book, which <laughs> yeah. is awesome. Oh. <laughs> Talk about Iron Man, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, but how did that happen? And and I think what we need to talk about that bit as well, which is. uh you know a lot of people face writers block and like we i think we were talking about just prior to this shooting as well which is writing is such uh uh it's it's undervalued to a big big degree in the sense if you've made it as a writer it's only because you're on one of those charts mm-hmm. not because you've completed a book mm-hmm. successfully and people look at you only with again going back to numbers with sold copies but yeah. it, there's so much that goes behind this whole thing right and of course the, I, i think some part of it is numbers there's no denying that yeah. but having said that just sitting down and writing every day from a creative aspect and you know just doing it like you said as a discipline i think you mentioned that too is not an easy feat and You're you're telling me that people who had to read out or get you audio books and yeah. now you've reached a point where like grammarly <laughs> and spell check, let's do this and just sit down and just start typing. Yeah. So yeah, how did that happen? And you know, it's crazy. I mean, you just walk me through that because <laughs> writing itself is a big deal. Yeah, no, for sure. Writing is definitely a difficult task. I'm definitely like. no pro at it uh, i'm still learning plenty Come on, what are you talking about you're going to be publishing a book <laughs> no no still learning plenty um but yeah i think i am uh, super excited like you know honestly all the report cards and stuff like people would just be like um yeah you know sir is really responsible like she's great at extracurriculars <laughs> but um she's good at table tennis so that's the best <laughs> not even i was pathetic at sports so i was like really uh, supw <laughs> yeah. <laughs> remember that yeah exactly so um you know i i i uh, do think that my academic environment especially my school environment uh wouldn't have ever penned me to be an a- academic success in the traditional <laughs> in sense yeah, right yeah, like yeah. Uh, even when i returned back home and i would run into my teachers and i they were like oh what are you up to and i said like, oh i just you know came back and i just went to cambridge on a full ride it was like i know it was like a hard thing to for them to digest yeah, you yeah. know um like, it's like it's what? not you what are you exactly, talking about exactly <laughs> exactly you want like a um complete a student in like growing up and that yeah anyway is this um, the cambridge in bangalore is <laughs> cambridge right there so it must be that one yeah um so yeah i think um Um, yeah what really like took me through that was like a really supportive environment at home number one and two what is the process of writing i think is just like being super disciplined on like um goals and that you're going to meet them so we're going to write one chapter or these many words um by this timeline and kind of keeping yourself accountable to that um but also i was stoked that uh, pegman random house like reached out to me to well, write this book yeah <laughs> um and they have been like my dream publisher i love pegman books and have read them my entire life uh, so i was like oh my god this is an opportunity that i can't kind of um, like mess up on so being accountable to my goal was really important and then another thing that i knew that would really help me be more accountable is having a co-author so i have my colleague tim who has all of the amazing skills that i don't have uh, so that, that was really helpful um and actually even to this day when we keep reading the proofs and the edits he reads aloud because i'm not the best reader and i mix up my <laughs> alphabets and stuff um so um i think like always surrounding yourself with people that are better than you or have complementary skill sets um and uh, like To be honest, I I could have been like, no, I'm going to write this by myself, and yeah. like I'll have more margin for myself as an author, right? right? But um, but 
maybe yeah. that book wouldn't have ever gotten gotten done in the first place right. so um like putting away your ego for like the end goal and acknowledging when you need help and like surrounding yourself with an amazing team and amazing people who help you realize those goals is like like supreme like you have to do that and that's like the bedrock of anything um so yeah i'm like pretty stoked the book is out 22nd february um it's my first book um and uh, any more to come i'm sure but yeah <laughs> oh, i don't know about that but <laughs> let's, let's ask him <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually he tim is stoked he like wrote down a proposal for like next idea and like all the stuff so yeah. he's on a roll um but um yeah i think just generally it's been a fun process it's extremely time consuming uh, people definitely underestimate the amount of work that goes into it um like just imagine <laughs> and and time zones right so like tim is now back in australia so um i would wake up like at 8 am on a saturday and sunday just like, to do this just yeah and then we would just block out like 8 to 2 of course you would block PM. out <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah. and that's cuz he's 5 hours behind uh, yeah. so we like just um Yeah and sometimes basically I've gone days without any weekend because it's like regular work and then I've done this every weekend um and that was like a big chunk in the midst of the pandemic where I like didn't take any Sunday didn't take any time off um uh so yeah I'm stoked that it's done I'm stoked that it's here and uh, uh, my teammate Molly has done these gorgeous illustrations across to make it like fun and accessible so there's uh i hope everyone kind of enjoys it so what's it about it's about how to go zero waste so it's called ben necessities how to lead a zero waste lifestyle nice um and it's out on amazon and anywhere else that you get your books um and yeah essentially it's just to make it digestible going through all aspects of your life from like how you eat how you clothe yourself um how cities are designed and how we can all kind of be part of the solution in terms of going more low impact Nice. So I'm sure there's there are takeaways from your courses as well. A lot of you know, yeah. it's a bits from here and yeah, there. Yeah, right? exactly. It's like really kind of distilling all of our learnings into a very accessible book that's also um, addressing the Indian audience because I feel like there's a gap in that. Because to be honest, the whole notion of going zero waste is very very traditionally Indian, whether it's our bazaars or our dabba walas, and then it became like this. something that exploded in the west became like a very hipster thing and very expensive and inaccessible with the bulk stores and what not so this is a very like indian perspective on zero waste which is something that we thought that was kind of really missing in the ecosystem so we're excited and i hope people like it and please share any feedback that you might have and happy to hear <laughs> yeah uh for sure i think that's a good place for us to wrap things up uh I actually wanted to dive a little deeper into the uh, you know the traditional aspects when it comes to just sustainability and just how things have always worked in our country and I think answers are plenty here. Yeah, definitely. Right? It's just that I think we're always looking for answers, you know, looking at the west. Yeah. If you will and that's not, you know, the and the, not just with this, right? with anything for that matter. Yeah. I think we've been soup we've had, you know, ancestors who are super knowledgeable. Absolutely. Uh, you know, things that have been perceived very differently today, yeah. but there are, you know, you know so many underlying reasons as to why people operated or functioned in a particular way. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I'll bring you back to have a separate <laughs> segment on uh you know this the the indian mentality if you will sure. <laughs> generally yeah but uh, thank you so much sir thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it thank you for thinking of me yeah, um and yeah sure. many more to come <laughs> yeah and uh, if i i asked this of all my guests which is if you had one last thing that you had to tell our audience 
our viewers, listeners, what would that be? This is just put you on the spot. Like I tell <laughs> all my guests, you didn't see this one coming. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there could be um, anything that we already spoken about, or you could just you know talk about anything else as well. That's that's fine. I think uh, if I had to say one thing is that <laughs> us humans are very very resilient, and we're made of something super like crazy ingredients that we. Uh, never know how to actually articulate like pop up goals <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> so we're made from pretty resilient stuff and we're just stronger than we think and we're stronger than we know so if you're uh, contemplating anything and scared to start um in whatever it might be whatever you are um starting your own enterprise your fitness goals um anything under the sun um like as cliche as this may sound but like just do it just do it Yeah. yeah. I I knew that was coming. <laughs> that's like the uh you know the the phrase that's thrown around very flippantly but it means exactly it that. It's really yeah. yeah. It means everything. So, yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> And if people had to find you online, where can we send them? Of course I leave uh, links to yeah. your uh book. I think it should be out by the time we have this, you know, episode air. Yeah. But uh, where can we send them? Online? Everything is on benessestes.in and our social media is all hyperlinked in our website. So that's a one-stop shop. The book is up there. Too. Oh, okay. um, so check it out. You can pre-order, order, <laughs> depending on when this is out. <laughs> cool. All right, sir. Thank you so much. And um, we'll, like I said, I'll come down the street and pull you back here for yeah, another. Yeah, for sure. Come stop by, visit us. Yeah, for sure. At HQ, for sure. which is my mom's garage. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, sir. So yeah, that was my conversation with Sahir. If you like the conversation, then consider liking this video. and if you haven't subscribed to our channel already then consider subscribing as well if you are listening to this over audio though then consider sharing the episode over instagram stories or whatsapp statuses it's a very easy way to get the word out there and get the episode in front of your followers or your friends and family members so yeah i think that's pretty much it can't wait for you guys to tune in to our next episode but until then ciao